Hello and welcome to episode four of Tonal Recall, the podcast where I, Lyndon Perry, aka LP, uh, reflect on the songs and the artists throughout my life that have been an impact and an influence on the, the music that I write today, um, musically especially and also uh, lyrically. The litmus test for those of you who might be new to this podcast is essentially, can I remember where I was and what was going on when I heard a specific song and I then consider that to in some way be a standout cut that um, I can basically put my finger on as that song mattered to me and in some way has shaped the sounds and the the drive that I have for writing music. Uh, just as a quick recap, uh, episode one was Don't Bring Me Down by ELO. Episode two was Foreplay slash Long Time by Boston. I took a quick sidetrack on episode three in honor of my uh, sweet pea who was put down uh, just a few weeks ago with the song Sweet Pea by Amos Lee. And that brings me to uh, this week's shout out. Um, I wanted to shout out to Derek and Linda Silabresi, who this weekend are celebrating their third anniversary. So uh, congratulations, Derek and Linda. And it was very sweet that both of them uh, reached out to me to say, hey, you know, hope you're you're doing well with the uh, the loss of, of a family friend. Um, this is the first time I'd ever spoken with Linda on the phone. She felt compelled to uh, break into a conversation that I was having with Derek and uh, really encourage me and share a poem with me that um, was very timely and um, meaningful. And uh, so appreciate you both and for your encouragement. Uh, this week, I want to go into a song called Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Uh, the, I'm, I'm calling this Track and Field Part 1 because there's a few songs that um, I learned about when I was in Track and Field uh, in, in junior high. Just a quick side note before I get into that story, though. It's interesting to go back and listen to these songs in uh, 2018 when we actually have the internet, we have smartphones, and we have Wikipedia pages. Um, when these songs came out, all we had was the radio and what the DJ told us about them. And now, uh, at least the songs that I have highlighted so far have uh, so much information online about them that really brings out interesting uh, nuances about the songs. Um, all the songs that I've covered so far have their own Wikipedia pages, in fact, and um, Another One Bites the Dust certainly is no exception to that. But let's talk about track and field for a second. Um, I was at Edison Junior High School from 6th through 8th grade, so I would have entered uh, Edison Junior High School in 1980 and um, graduated, if you will, from the eighth grade in the summer of 1983. And so in 1980, a song came out from a band called Queen, which was 
is was a an English rock band, um, but to to put them in the genre of rock is to uh, to limit them too much. They were very experimental, uh, used a lot of um, orchestration and big vocals and recording techniques that a lot of other bands weren't using at the time. And another one, Bites the Dust, was actually a bit of a departure for their sound. Of course, at the time, I've I would have absolutely not known this, um, but uh, we'll get into their sound here in just one moment. Um, there will be other songs from Track and Field, uh, which will follow this episode, uh, just to give you a, uh, a precursor for next week. Um, the anthem, I Love Rock and Roll, which is both true in my life, and the title of uh, an amazing song by Joan Jett will be the next episode. All right, so let's do lyrics here because <laughs> before I did the research on this song, there were a handful of lyrics in this song that I had absolutely no clue were in this song. From the top, Steve walks warily down the street. Pause. I had no idea that this song started off with a boy's name, Steve. And I don't even think I knew that this character was walking warily down a street. I don't even know what I thought the first line was. Maybe I should do that next time. Um, <laughs> write out the, the lyrics that I think are going on and then actually listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics and, and compare. So unpause. Let's start from the beginning of there. There again. Steve walks warily down the street with the brim pulled way down low. Ain't no sound but the sound of his feet. Machine guns ready to go. Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on to the edge of your seat? Out of the doorway, the bullets rip to the sound of the beat. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey, I'm going to get you too. Another one bites the dust. How do you think I'm going to get along without you when you're gone? You took me for everything that I had and kicked me out on my own. Are you happy? Are you satisfied? How long can you stand the heat? Out of the doorway, the bullets rip to the sound of the beat. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. There are plenty of ways that you could hurt a man and bring him to the ground. You can beat him and you can cheat him. You can treat him bad and leave him when he's down. But I'm ready. Yes, I'm ready for you. I'm standing on my own two feet. Out of the doorway, the bullets rip, repeating to the sound of the beat. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And so on. As popular as this song was, uh, which was one of Queen's most popular songs of all time, it's possible that I heard this song maybe you know, on, on a radio at some point in time, but the time I absolutely remember hearing this song was at a track and field event um, at Edison Junior High School. Um, somebody from our team, if you will, had a big radio, which back in the day we called a ghetto blaster. Um, at the time, I don't even think I knew what a ghetto was, and I'm not sure or not if that's an offensive term, so I, I apologize if it is, but we called it a ghetto blaster. It's just a big 
radio with uh, usually a cassette deck in it, of course, and then of um, compartment for probably a, a dozen D cell batteries. These were not light, um, and so somebody brought one of these to the events. And I'm pretty sure, certain that we were listening to radio because I do remember a broad mix of songs. Um, but I remember this song in particular, and the, the meet was being held at Edison Junior High School. And I remember being very drawn to this song, um, sitting on the ground waiting for my event, which I'll get to here in a second, um, laying back in the grass and just staring up at the sky and hearing this song. Um, and how it just really moves uh, and and <laughs> and grooves, just a serious rhythm going on, um, which we'll also get into. Now, track and field, um, when you're in junior high, track and field uh, basically means an opportunity to skip some classes because you get to get on a bus with a bunch of your friends and go to other schools um, for half a day at a time and compete with other schools. Track and field when you are a, a sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader is um, really less an exploration or, or a, a show of your athleticism and more of a realization that uh, there's some pretty darn cute girls even at other schools. Um, they don't even have to wear the same color jersey. And um, you also learn about the smell of BO, uh, you learn about the smell of suntan lotion because in the spring in Midwest, you both have the potential of getting uh, burnt to a crisp in the sun and or uh, a wind burned from, from the wind and the, and the <laughs> sleet and the rain and the snow as we've learned, especially this year. Um, and so let's talk about what was my specific event. Um, very not proud to say that it was the very unsexy discus. I, I threw the discus. I don't even know what got me into it. Uh, I do remember Coach Norman and his ability to, to just throw the discus for what felt like a few neighborhoods away. And I don't know. I don't know why the discus. Um, the discus, in my opinion, should have never been invented. Um, <laughs> When I think about Olympic events and how they make sense in sort of the uh, perpetuation of human uh, life, you know, if you need to hunt for food, uh, you need to learn how to uh, run long distance. Um, you could even use the javelin. Uh, that could come in handy if you're trying to hunt. Um, if you need to outrun a, a predator, you know, sprints and hurdles makes a lot of sense. Um, I could even see long jumps. You got to get from this cliff to that one, or you've got to get over this part of the river or whatever. But the discus, uh, <laughs> unless you're Captain America, I don't understand what good a discus is. Um, you know, let me spin 180 degrees and fling this circular weight in a uh, very general direction. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe this is where prayer comes in. You, you, you spin around 180, wing it as hard as you can, and pray that it hits something uh, that matters to you, whether that's your enemy or your prey. I don't know. But I digress. Nonetheless, the discus. 
so I was I was likely um, 11 when I heard this song. It came out in 1980, and so that would have been about right. And what I remember about this song in particular was certainly the beat, but also these strange sounds that were happening. And I have done some research on the song, of course, and those strange sounds are uh, a combination of uh, unique ways to play the guitar um, and then these recordings of piano chords that were then um, played backwards to build as a crescendo. And um, even though you, could, you can certainly identify it as a piano, it sounded very futuristic because of those long swells and then you had these um, portions of the song where they use a lot of reverb on the drums to make them really uh, f seem like they were being were going the distance you had a very dry uh, drum loop i found out that they actually just recorded a section of drums and then just looped it and if you know anything about my music writing drum loops play a a significant role um, and and um, so this this one is built on a loop uh, played by a live drummer it's very dry though and then there's these places throughout the song where there's this intense uh, reverb on and it just makes the sound really ring in addition uh, Freddie's delivery of the lyrics it's very rhythmic and very um, intentional and you can certainly feel that he's living this story. Uh, the story is interesting. It sounds like it's a um, somebody who's been who's broken up with his his girl and is basically loading up his machine guns as you know as one does and <laughs> going down the the street. Uh, there's some theories online that that the that he went to the doorway of his lover and just opened fire. Um, so I guess this was in some way um, a public uh, mass shooting story, which totally would not have dawned on me until I uh, sat down and read, read the lyrics and then read some of the, the theories around what, what the song's meaning is supposed to be. But his delivery of the, those lyrics are just uh, incredible. Uh, when you listen to the song, I want you to pay special attention to uh, really, after he has said the lyrics, because he has these expressions that come out after through breaths and uh, sort of a thing like another one bites the dust. And I know that my daughter, Shanna B, whose birthday is today, happy birthday, Shanna, happy 21st. She and I had heard, I think maybe like a, uh, like a chipmunk version of this song. And they even had that another one bites the dust. And uh, even though that's funny, especially when you hear it in the chipmunk version, when you hear Freddie's intensity, um, it's just him coming off of a note, and you can hear <laughs> the emphasis in in the in that after breath. And it's not just on another one by the dust. He does it throughout the song, uh, especially when it picks up in the second verse. Um, so anyway, pay close attention to that. Excellent. Uh, d excellent delivery. It's something that's a, it's just a nuance that I think many people would miss because it's not an actual word, but um, it's a very important e expression 
at that point in the song. And some a few other interesting facts about the song, and then I'll I'll uh, turn turn you on to the song. Um, apparently, uh, the band had a, a really close relationship with Michael Jackson, and Michael Jackson heard this song and told the band, "That's a hit. That that needs to be a single." Um, and going back and listening to Michael Jackson's work around that same time, this makes a lot of sense because once again, it's 1980. We're, we're still kind of coming out of disco. Um, at the time, I don't know that they would have known that, um, but disco was still uh, uh, alive and there was still a lot of sounds around disco. And this song played really well in the club, even though this is a rock band and generally speaking, their, their music was played on radio and they toured big, big stadiums. This song did really well in the clubs and there were various versions made, you know, seven inch, 12 inch versions of this song uh, specifically for, 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 uh, for getting your groove on, on the dance floor. Uh, so I found that very, very interesting. The song was written uh, by the bassist, as you could probably well imagine, because the bass is pretty much the highlight um, instrument in this song. I also love the fact that Brian May with his guitar playing in this really approaches his instrument in this song like uh, not like a rock guitarist where you've got to be playing every every bar or kind of uh, being the the command instrument this in this track the guitar very much plays the role of um, kind of an ambience uh, generator a little bit of a rhythm generator he does in the second verse play uh, more of a rhythmic pattern, which was very typical for disco, but um, Willing as a guitarist, who, by the way, is an amazing guitarist with amazing solos, so the talent is there to to really shred and to, to, to fill the room with guitar sound, but Willing to approach the song um, with his, his instrument being a, more of a, a, a rhythmic piece, uh, which I have taken a lot of cues for in the music that I'm in particularly or in particular writing even now. Uh, so with that, um, I give you another one by Sadust. Once again, for those listening on uh, any platform other than Anchor, you just need to pop out to your favorite um, streaming uh, platform of, of choice and listen to another one by Sadust by Queen. I, I encourage you to do that and listen along with the rest of us who are on Anchor, and you can just leave it right here to listen to Queen's 1980 massive hit called Another One by Sadust.